Welcome to the show. What you are listening to is the first track off of Imperium Droop, the new album by Kid Millions and Jan St. Werner. It is a new collaboration between two extremely talented artists. Uh, today on this show, our very special guest is John Kolpitz. Uh, John Kolpitz is Kid Millions. He is the half of this uh, collaboration, releasing this record on Thrill Jockey Records. Uh, the record will be available January 25th, which is right around the corner. If you are tuning in now, there are three tracks currently available through all of the streaming services. I'm very honored to have John on the show today to discuss the new album, and uh, that's frankly all that we are doing today. We are not uh, really getting into too much of the uh, too much of what our show typically does, but uh, I had an opportunity to speak with him for a, a brief period of time, so I went with it, and I wanted to present it to you folks in order to uh, bring some attention to the record's release, which is on, uh, which is going to be this weekend on the 25th. Uh, vinyl pre-sales are currently being uh, taken through the Bandcamp site. Links will be in the show description, so follow those links. And uh, yeah, let's just get right into it. Um, here at Vinyl Envision, we pl- ask you please to do all the things you do with the internet. Like, share, subscribe, follow us on all of the social medias, and uh, comment if you will. This time we are asking you please to uh, go purchase the vinyl of this record, Imperium Droop. It is a great, spacey, trippy piece of music. Um, In the show I ask John if he can identify what genre of music this kind of can be, and uh, he can't do it, which is understandable. I think it might fall into the realm of like some kind of jazz. Like I think that's probably the closest thing that it can, it can kind of be compared to, um, though that is not still completely accurate. So um, I hope you enjoy the show. We start off the show with John speaking in regards to the first question I asked him, which was, how did he meet and come to work with Jan St. Vernon? Enjoy. So, um, right, so Bettina uh, put us together and Rian was doing like the East Coast, a series of East Coast gigs and reached out to me. And, you know, at the time I was, I didn't have a great awareness of, of embarrassingly of, of Mouse on Mars and Jan. And I was also like super overworked um, at, I was like really playing a lot and feeling a lot of pressure 
to like try to make a living uh, playing. And so he asked me to play and I was almost like, I almost said no, <laughs> you know, cause it was a free gig. And, but then uh, thank God I wasn't so uptight about it. But um, hmm. so we met up, I set up the show at a space that I'm still at. It was called Secret Project Robot, Robot at the time. It's in Bushwick, but it was, um, it's now called Rebulad. Um, but uh, we did a gig at like 1 p.m. on a like a Thursday or something. Like no one was gonna make it really, but we left the door open <laughs> and uh, a guy did come. One guy. Um, a really great he's a really great artist a performing performing artist um Elado Negro yeah 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 okay sorry. yeah Elado Negro and he came <laughs> he was the only person in the audience and I think he took a couple photos so there was like you know a document of that and I guess Jan enjoyed it I think we recorded it even or he did and then mm-hmm. Uh, so we just kept in touch. And so ever since we've played a few shows over the years and done recording sessions and hung out and uh, he, we played in Berlin a few times and um, elsewhere and a few recording sessions and, and Jan uh, has been, we've been building to this record for quite a while, but anyway, yeah, that mm. was when we met. It was probably nine or 10 years ago, maybe. Oh, eight. wow. Yeah. So it was a while. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I was reading the bio from uh, from the Bandcamp page about the album, mm. and I guess it said that uh, you basically started recording this in 2017, or it was recorded in 2017. Oh, the first, yeah, one session for sure. Yeah. Okay. Andrew uh, Barker. Yeah. Yes. Oh, all right. <clears throat> so this has kind of been a long time coming, or did you do any recording for it recently? Um. Well, since then. I think I did a few additional things like I, I recorded some additional drums for him um, hmm. maybe the next year or so. Okay. Yeah. So it's been a project that's just kind of been involving for many years now. Yeah, for sure. Cool. So what's the writing? So what was the writing process like for you both? Um, because there were other performers on this record as well, right? Yeah. I thought it was just the two of you at first. Yeah, there's a few additional people here and there. So at first it was just like we did it we improvised um, in the studio. So there's a whole, there's a, a few, a few approaches. So, uh, but mainly it was just, we would improvise in the studio and then um, Jan would just, you know, he's a master of like a cut, cutting and pasting and like experimental audio <laughs> tweaking, mm. right? And so he um, just would massage it and work on it for a long time and then would send me something and get feedback. But oftentimes, you know, I, I just was like, it sounds great. <laughs> um, but, you know, okay, you know, I would definitely contribute some but um and then when we would kind of hit a wall with a tune like we would maybe discuss you know whether a guest could come in and add something useful mm-hmm. so that was we we had richard hoffman who was who played bass on a track 
who was in sightings. I'm not okay. sure if you remember them from. No, I can't say that I'm familiar with yeah, it. From, they, they, they stopped playing, I think, in 2016, maybe. Hmm. But um, I've always been a big fan of Richard, and I played with him a lot. And um, he's not really, well, I think he's a great improviser, but he wouldn't, uh, he doesn't like to, to, or he doesn't feel as comfortable improvising. So he kind of wrote a part and recorded that. And then um, Jan would tweak, tweak that. So that was kind of the process. I think one kind of cool thing about the album process that, I'm not sure is in the liner notes or whatever, but um, was that Jan did, we did have a version of the record done in like 2019 and we were sending it around and nobody wanted to release it. During that time, Jan worked with Lee Scratch Perry, the dub, um, the dub. Reggae uh, artist, yeah. And he realized, or what he's like, he's like, whoa, okay, I have so many more ideas. Like, let me, let me, let me get at this material again. So he, like, did a whole redo of the record, hmm. and then we sent it around. And at that point, that was when we got a few people who were psyched. And, and Bettina, at that point, was like, yeah, let's do it. Oh, that's cool. So it was really, in a way, it really benefited from that long process. I think it was cool. The first version was cool, but I think it became like more radical, you know, after that. Yeah. You know, that that meeting with Lee Scratch Perry. Right. How interesting. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I think it was funny that you were mentioning earlier how, how you were kind of either hesitant uh, to, to work with with Jans because um you have such a, a kind of a expansive discography of like kind of collaborations you've been doing um and at the time you said that you were you know really busy with doing all this work was did that have something to do with it you already kind of like were kind of felt like you were taking on too much and doing too much collaborations with too many people at the time no no I think it was really me trying to be trying to find the balance between doing like getting paid for my time uh i mean i never really figured that out uh i think i was maybe more in demand at the time and uh although it never got crazy but like i think i was kind of just thinking i don't want to just play a free gig Mm -hmm. you know but it wasn't really the right mindset that's just what that's just where my head was at when i almost turned him down it was it would have been a big mistake i'm glad i did yeah right <laughs> that was just kind of what was happening <clears throat> for so many years i just played no matter i played anything and everything no matter what it was i would go do it and i had as i when i tried to do this full time i think i just was like is that the best, like, this is how I make my living. Like, Mm. can I do that anymore? Like I can, I should be able to say no to things. Right. But it's always a balance. You know, you're just, you don't know, like, I mean, 
uh, working with Jan was like a huge deal. Like I, you know, I shouldn't have even doubted, <laughs> right. but that was kind of where, what happened. Yeah. Moment. Yeah. It makes perfect sense because when you're, this is, this is a business for you. This is like your, your life livelihood, well, you know? So like making music, I mean, everyone sees it as like, oh yeah, some, some fun opportunity to be able to play music with whoever. But yeah, I mean, you gotta, you gotta really kind of think about, well, what's the best thing to help my business grow or to help in, in for you in an artistic endeavor, endeavor, I guess. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think I think about it differently now. Mm -hmm. I probably have come around to a, a more not trying to connect it with the, the, the money as much, but I'm still going to say no to a lot more now than I used to. Right. Um, Time is precious. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And and working on music is very time consuming. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, just between rehearsals. I mean, what what how how have you guys been able to rehearse to prepare for a record like this, or was oh, it just completely we, thrown together? No, no, we don't we don't rehearse. <laughs> no. It's no. just improvisation. Yeah, but I mean, you know, the way that this is made is like we play right in the same room and then Jan, you know, manipulates the audio. So it's a whole nother world. Hmm. So it's not, you know, he creates the work really. I okay. Mean, to give him good credit. It's like, I mean, certainly I'm contributing, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, it's half of me, but it's not like, um, the mind behind the, the wildness is him. I mean, he's a, like, he thinks about audio in a way that I don't. Yeah. Okay. Cause yeah, the music itself is actually very complicated to me. Like yeah. it's, um, so, I mean, Jan is very much, um, he typically is kind of an electronic artist. Yeah. Is that fair to say electronic industrial? Yeah, avant I don't know if you would say industrial, but I would say, okay. yeah, electronic. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I've listened to a few of his records, and so I, I would kind of like putting putting the pieces together in my own mind between yeah. listening to his work and then listening to your work, you know, some of the Man Forever records and the uh, Kid Millions records. Yeah. Um, I was just like, okay, cool. This is like a very interesting meld here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know what to call it. Like, do yeah. you have an idea of like what kind of genre this is? <laughs> no. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's far out, man. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. No, that's fine. I mean, it's completely fair to say because I think that it's very complex. Like, it's very interesting in, in that regard of like people typically try to pigeonhole things. They try to label things and, and so that they can kind of feel more comfortable with it themselves. Yeah, sure. Um, so... Now, considering on this show, I usually speak about influential albums and people that are influenced by things. What were you listening to as uh, inspiration? Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Well, I'm looking at the CD here. Okay. Oh, you got a CD already? Yeah, there's a CD. There's CDs as well. Yeah, she, yeah. She pressed up a few. I see. What was I listening to? Um... It's funny, I don't really work that way. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, and I know I don't, I don't know if 
you know, well, I won't put any judgment on it. I just, it's just the way I operate. I don't like, the only time when I really was like explicitly using recordings as inspiration, it would be like, I would listen to, you know, John French, the drummer, you know, Drumbo from the oh. Magic Band. Right, right. And I would just listen to his playing and somehow I thought like, if I listen to his playing, then I went into the studio, I would play uh, more like fluently and just a little bit with more, um, more of a dynamic control and mm. stuff. Um, but you know, I don't, yeah, I don't really listen. I don't have that relationship to music. Yeah. Well, um, tell me about a couple of the things that uh, that just interest you in general as far as music is concerned, like even, even today. Hmm. Well, I mean, uh, I listen to like the Coltrane, uh, like Elvin Jones. You know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm playing, I'm trying to learn his the way that he plays a waltz nowadays mm -hmm. is kind of my what I'm focusing on right now. Uh, okay. I'm thinking about ways of um, using my four limbs, like coordinated coordinating um, yeah. differently. Um, trying to expand like my my awareness of time, uh, meaning like, I don't mean like uh, subdividing a beat and the different subdivisions and how those feel and sound. And hmm. I guess that's the kind of thing I, I, I listen for, but I, you know, it's so weird. I don't, I used to be real direct, you know, oh, this album is inspired by this album. Mm -hmm. But I yeah, don't really I, think of it like that anymore. Right, right. I mean, I think no, that there's... I mean, whatever. Like, it's not even me being like, I'm beyond that. I'm not. <laughs> no, no, I'm sure you're not. I mean, the thing is, I was just about to say that I think it's a subconscious thing. You know, because I remember when I used to try to write music for... There was actually a long period. There was many years where I said, I'm not going to buy any more music. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, because I was just like, I've already been tainted, my mind. <laughs> so if I want to make pure music, then maybe I need to stop listening to music. Mm. And that way I can just kind of like freely create whatever and not feel, you know, any kind of like hindrance or, or you know, boundaries by anything mm -hmm. or not feel like, oh, I, maybe I, I did something subconsciously that was actually mirroring something that I really liked. You uh -huh. know? The so, anxiety I mean, of influence. Right, right. I mean, because like it, it, it's unavoidable, really, and that's why I, I find it interesting to talk about influences in general with an artist because it's kind of just crazy to get into that brain, you know, and find out. Well, hey, what makes you tick? What made you want to play music and stuff like that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so and and speaking of which, like, so what what inspired you to play drums? <laughs> um, I think it was just uh, people at my high school. Um, there were, weren't many drummers and I had a good friend who was a drummer. And so I just thought 
oh, you know, maybe I can do this too. There's people, and there were, I think there were people who were like, yeah, like, I would play in a band with you. So, you know, I just like, I knew I was just, I could just start and hit the ground running. Hmm. So I just like, I think I, you know, and there was a drum set at, at school. And so I just was like, I can do this. I, you know, somebody showed me a couple things and I just started playing mm-hmm. yeah, with a, with people we were learning. Yeah. Learning like, um, dire straits, sultans of swing and then guns and roses. And, um, yeah, probably a couple of dead tunes in there, you know, that kind of a thing. Sixties, sixties mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Seventies jam music kind of yeah that's cool well it is what it is well yeah i mean hey it it all helped shape you know your style for sure that's that's the beautiful part about you know kind of figuring these things out or hearing about these things is that like sometimes it makes a lot more sense sometimes it clicks you know like you say grateful dead i'm just like oh well that kind of makes sense in, in regards to like the idea of jamming on things and kind of like feeling things out, letting things go for a while and just explore where this sound and this space takes you, you know? For sure. So that's great, man. That's cool. <laughs> that's it, man. That's why, that's why I talk to you people. That's why I love doing this. <laughs> so, um, so back to the record Imperium Droop, uh, it's going to be available June 25th in its entirety. Uh, there are three tracks currently available, uh, basically wherever you can get music and you can, you know, stream those three songs and kind of explore the music and get a taste of it. Uh, looks like you got some really cool limited edition purple marbled vinyl coming for this release. Yeah, it's not, uh, the. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit muted. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if it's really marbled. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Have but you yeah, seen it? Yeah, it's purple. I have yeah. it. Yeah, I got it. It's great. It's awesome. Oh, nice. It's great. And so um, that uh, leads me to to ask, what um, what is your relationship with vinyl records today? You know, I mean, I think it's... I mean, I have a lot of them, and it's... I've been seeing little, like, uh, little... Uh, notions online people saying like you know there's a bubble and Mm -hmm. actually vinyl is a real pain in the ass it is really hard to get to sound good and oftentimes you know at my level which is low no one is willing to like actually make it sound good you really have one shot you get a test pressing and if there's something wrong you're you have to live with it hmm. um, in this case it went great you know it worked out hmm. but i've been i've had experiences where i like a, a, the record was mastered improperly and um or it was cut improperly and the tune was distorted and the label just was like, okay, well, if we go back and fix it, then, uh, you know, we're not going to release the record or something. Like, it's just like, it's all, it's all kind of a nightmare. Hmm. 
I don't think vinyl is cool. I, right. I don't think it's uncool. From a production standpoint, from like being, yeah. being and having to put not, it out. Yeah, but it's and it's nothing special with sound. I th I know people have the thing of with it, and maybe like mm. the a certain era where it was the dominant form of distribution and the most expensive records and productions were getting that attention. Right. Yeah, that, those records sound great, but I don't necessarily feel the same way about now, about what's going on now. You know, but people are into it. I mean, I'm happy for people to be psyched yeah. about right. it. Well, I, I can agree with you because I think that a lot of the um, enjoyment behind listening to vinyl records, I think, comes from your own setup at home. Yeah. Like, if you're just listening on a crossly, you know, portable thing with the built-in speakers, it's going to sound like shit. You know, you right. you need, you have to invest into the whole system. And there are anywhere from the few hundred dollars range of investment to the multiple thousands of dollars range. And it just, uh, I think it depends on just, you know, how, how invested do you want to be? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but I'm, I'm super psyched. I mean, uh, I'm going to get mine as soon as I can, uh, muster some money together and I'll do my, my pre-order and, uh, cause I, I really love it. I mean, I, I think it looks great. Obviously I already know the music and so I'm just excited to kind of like put it into my collection and kind of like, you know, have it. Dude, that's very kind. I'm sure we can get Thrill Jockey to send you a copy. Well, <laughs> I am not imposing. I just, that would be more than appreciated. But uh, I, I also have to ask, um, you know, I think it seems that the pandemic is nearing an end mm. and people are starting to gig again. So what are your plans for, you know, the release of the official release of this album and possibly even, you know, gigging with Jan? Yeah, there's no plans like explicitly um, for us to play. We've gotten no offers. Yeah. So we may, but it's not like there may there might there's maybe a little bit of like nibble about like a few festivals next year. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, I'm not. Yeah, no plans. Yeah. Okay. And, um, I mean, I think it would be remiss for me to not ask while I have you, I mean, what about touring in general? Well, either Man Forever or Oneida or even your solo work. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I have, I do have an album that I'm finishing of my own stuff. Uh, I'm really not sure how to make it work financially anymore. Touring? Yeah. Okay because like I just it took me a, like eight or nine months to book my last man forever tour that like made money because I had to do it really carefully and do like you know paid gigs mm -hmm. you can't I mean I can't do a tour like that of door gigs and with my band I have to pay people I need to get paid I can't just go out and do it so it i'm not sure it's viable we'll see hmm. yeah you know we'll see have you uh, broken into the college market at all <laughs> i played some college gigs but i don't know i don't i don't think they listen to this kind of thing right it doesn't now. matter they pay <laughs> well you have to fit 
But yeah, but they don't, I don't know. They, usually they like, somebody needs to like it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I imagine the last time I've ever dealt with something like that was, uh, you know, just kind of speaking to someone that was working at the, the college director, like a director of uh, entertainment or something like that. And they just, they just have a budget that they need to spend. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, if you have any connections, I'm happy to, to, to hear. I, it's been a long time for me since I've had to try <laughs> to book anything, so I don't think my contacts would be valid. Right on. But, uh, but yeah, I think it's definitely a possibility. It's something I've always been interested in. It was mm -hmm. like, you just go on a college tour. Just play colleges, you know? Yeah, well, yeah, it's hard because the, the students change every year or two you know who's running the, the those organizations who might mm -hmm. have money to spend so it's hard to kind of establish something you know and get right. paid and whatever it's it's not easy right okay well and how about oneida anything anything from them yeah we're working on an, an album and i imagine when it's done we would tour but that would look like pretty limited you know, you probably have a week or 10 days to tour next yeah. year, if at all. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. <laughs> I'm feeling, I'm not like really feeling super bullish about touring. Right. Is it also, I mean, does the pandemic have some effect on that hesitation or is it just strictly the whole burden of like booking and, you know, trying to devise the, the uh, finances? A little bit with the pandemic but it was more just like realizing like the kind of gigs like if we have a record to to kind of like tell people about like it makes sense mm -hmm. in a way although it's i think i've just been doing it for so long it, you know it, it's you know there's really no surprises touring with the shows it, it would be like you kind of know what you're gonna what kind of show it's going to be, um, I don't mean the music and the performances or, you know, like that's awesome. And seeing friends is great. I just know it's just like, you know, it's uh, not a comfortable thing to do. And I've been doing it for 25 years. So, you know, it's got to be, a, I think it needs to be kind of a different kind of scenario for me, maybe. And, mm -hmm playing bars and but maybe that's the only thing i can play maybe nobody would you know want some want a, another kind of context and if the, if so I, I don't know well i have to, i have to like kind of think about it yeah okay well that that sounds fine i mean either way i i wish you the best i'm very excited for this record to come out very excited for you and jan and uh whatever you guys plan on doing it'll I'm sure it'll be great, and uh, I hope I can see you sometime in the future in the real world. Yeah, man. Thanks, James. I mean, thanks for, for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the kind words. Oh, not a problem, man. Thank you. I appreciate everything that you do, and I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks. Sounds good, man. Do you think we covered everything, or is there anything that, anything that we should have known? No, no. It's, I, think, I think you got it. It's great. Okay. Yeah. Thanks great. so much, James. Thank you, John. It's been a pleasure. Same. Alright man, I'll see you very soon.
now envisioned as a psychic static production. Theme song written and performed by Jeff Robinson, 123 Astronaut.